When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Here's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove podcast. We're talking old guys finally calling it quits in the NFL. More PGA versus the Live Tour conversation, NBA playoffs, and Graham Wallace is going to join us to talk Major League Baseball. That's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, presented by In The Clutch, officially licensed apparel for Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Players Association, NFL, NHL, and so much more. Go to InTheClutch.com to see all the options available to you. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome into this Sunday afternoon edition, uh, dropping Monday morning for the audio listeners and Belly Up TV audience of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm joined as I am normally by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, doing all right today? Doing good, doing good. Got beautiful summer weather up here in Ohio, so. Yeah, it's gorgeous weather here as well in Kentucky. Was going to actually get out on the river today, but didn't have time between church and this show and I couldn't cancel because I already had you and Graham ready to come on. So <laughs> so here we are uh, sitting in my basement instead of out on the river. But nonetheless, uh, it's good to be here. Things to talk about, things going on here in just a little while. Graham Wallace uh, from the Jays Journal and Belly Up Sports. He will join us uh, covering Toronto Blue Jays and Major League Baseball. Graham's always a great guest, so looking forward to having him back on with us as well. We want to start the program, though, Dad, talking about your Boston Celtics. Uh, you are the super fan. Everybody knows that. Um, they win game one. Uh, not a huge surprise, I don't think, necessarily. I, In my opinion, this there wouldn't be a whole lot that could surprise me in this series in the finals, but I did pick Golden State to win in five. You said Celtics in seven. So far, you're looking better than me in this situation. Um, what do you think about Celtics in game one? Well, I, you know, again, I was surprised because everything I was hearing was, you know, the Celtics didn't have a chance up in Golden State for sure. Um, so, again, I, I think, you know, the Celtics got a great chance. They're playing well. They showed they could play well. Of course, got hot with three-pointers there in the fourth quarter. And, um, I, you know, I think they can – it'll definitely be a competitive series. 
And, um, you know, again, I would think, you know, Golden State will probably bounce back in game two um, being at home. But, again, Boston seems like they're um, they're ready to play and they have the ability, um, you know, to stay with them. So I think it'll be a good series, be good for the NBA, and I think people enjoy watching it. Yeah, first half stayed close. Uh, Golden State looked like they were pulling away in the second half, 38-24 in the third quarter. And then the Celtics outscored uh, Golden State 40-16 to in the fourth quarter, uh, continuing to kind of pull things along. Uh, seems like Al Horford has been a big a player for Boston here in the playoffs outside of their big two, of course. Marcus Smart has played fine. He played well uh, against uh, in game one as well. Robert Williams, the stats aren't necessarily there, but he gave him 24 minutes as well. And then off the bench, it was White with 21 points. Uh, they're also... Um, you know, I, I don't know, Dad. I just I think Boston could definitely win this series. I mean, they're they're a good team. They're they seem to be well coached. They've got star talent. They've got role players. Uh, the defense is impressive. Uh, I just still look at Golden State's team, and I just think that they're the team to beat still at this point. Um, they'll try to to win Game Two on Sunday night, and uh, and then see where we are from there. Again. To me, there's not a whole lot to surprise. The way these playoffs have gone, there's been, you know, a blowout. It doesn't matter if it's home or away. It's the, these teams are just winning games, winning them, blowing off other teams, and then the next game will be the exact opposite. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to what's going on uh, in the NBA uh, playoffs so far this year. But game two is Sunday evening uh, as we're recording this Sunday afternoon, and I'm intrigued to kind of see what game two holds. Do you think? Uh, Boston can 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 steal away both games here in Golden State. It's typically uh, my understanding is you go in with the mindset of we got to win one on the road, and they've already done that. Yeah, I, I, I again, you have to win one on the road, and they've got that accomplished. I think they'll you know be very aggressive tonight, but not you know I would expect um, Golden State probably to be able to win Game Two, and it'll be interesting going into Boston uh, to see if they can control things at home there. Yeah, and uh, Udoka, the coach, done a great job in his first year as a head coach and proving Boston right and choosing him. And Brad Stevens looking pretty good, too, and moving to the front office. Of course, talked to Parker Rainsworth about that a couple episodes ago as well. So the NBA Finals continue to plug on. I am still surprised with how many days in between games. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like if you got two home games, you'd think you'd play maybe a one-day's rest. But they played on Thursday. Now they they play on uh, tonight, and then they'll play again. I think on what Tuesday night. I think it's the next game or Wednesday night, maybe even uh, the next game. I had it pulled up a second ago, uh, but I'm just surprised with how many days in between. Yeah, Wednesday's the next game. Uh, then they get one day off on Thursday before they play again Friday. Then it kind of shortens up a little bit. Just weird. I don't know. I'm not sure that I understand the thought process behind the scheduling of these games um, either. Uh, let's talk a little golf. Uh, the PGA and the Live Tour continues to make a little bit of news. Kevin Nall, he's a 33-time 30 uh, winner on the PGA Tour. Here's what he had to say, Dad. He said, How, uh, however, to remain a PGA Tour player, I must give up my right to make these choices about my career. If I exercise my right to choose where and when I play golf, then I cannot remain a PGA Tour player without facing disciplinary proceedings and legal action from the PGA Tour. I'm sad to share that I've chosen to resign from the PGA Tour. 
This has not been an easy decision and not one taken lightly. I hope to current uh, the current policies change and I'll be able to play on the PGA Tour again. So since PGA came out and said any player that plays in the Live Tour tournament or any other uh, league or whatnot, they will be face disciplinary action. And Kevin Nall says, for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and step away from the PGA and, uh, and, you know, if they ever change their policies, maybe I'll come back. But uh, he's the first player to announce a resignation from the PGA Tour. And do you expect more people to follow? I kind of thought maybe with the way the sponsors dropped out, all that was kind of a weird situation because they were sponsoring the next PGA Tour event, too. Um, but uh, uh, I, I wasn't sure where this was going to head. And it seems like maybe more players are upset with the PGA than they are um, okay with the PGA. Yes, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about that last time. I think there are several players that are, are watching, and um, there you're going to see other people make moves. Part of us to decide how to do it, you know, like Kevin Nas doing. Um, that may be a safe way um, to go there and, um, you know, still could potentially go back in the future. Um, you know, I, I think there will be more players join um, as far as wanting to play in the other tour, and the PGA is going to have to decide something if they're going to continue the hard line. Um, you know, as, if they do, is that going to drive people out? Or, um, you know, will it accomplish? Like I said, um, to me, competition is not bad, and the PGA right now is saying we don't want any competition. We're just going to squash this. Um, and they feel like they can. I don't know in this climate if you can do that. So, um, um, you know, we, we may in the next few weeks see the, the PGA again. I don't think they're ever going to want to look like they're backing down. But um, I think it'll just depend how many players are looking at leaving and the players, even the players that stay. Um, I'm sure some players have a lot of influence and sway. And maybe they'll say, hey, you know, we need to, you know, you, you, we need to, you know, we're going to be loyal, but, um, you know, this isn't the way to go. So um, over the next few weeks, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not sure how everybody's getting paid. The Dustin Thomas situation, he, or Dustin Johnson situation, excuse me, he got paid a whole bunch of money up front, uh, then uh, can still earn money by playing too. So I'm not sure how that goes with everybody. According to ESPN, 13 PGA Tour players um, were on the list for the first Live Golf Tournament, which is starting up this week on Thursday. Uh, Dustin Johnson, of course, the most famous name of those. Ian Poulter, though, Lee Westwood, Louis Oesthuizen, and Sergio Garcia, some of the other names uh, there that most people will recognize. Um, I'll ask you this question again, Dad. I think we talked about this last time, but... What draws you to a golf uh, golf event on television? Is it golf is on, so I'll watch a little bit of it? I mean, for me, it's like I'm going to turn on the Masters. I know that for sure. Uh, I'm going to turn on the Ryder Cup. I know that for sure. And outside of those two, it's kind of like Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. It's on. I'll see who's winning, see if I want to watch, see what's going on with it and stuff like that. I enjoy watching golf. And I'm intrigued by this live tour. So I guess what I'm trying to get to is what could draw you to the live tour? Is it just to kind of see what it looks like uh, for the first time or players that are there or anything at all? 
I think it would be just to see what it looks like for the first time, see what this team concept is, and really just because of the popularity and the way the PGA is fighting it, I'm interested just to see how it is. Like I said, I enjoy watching golf. I don't a lot. I'll probably usually watch the four majors uh, mm. from there. I enjoy the the tournament down in Florida that has that hole that's on an island. That's always fun to watch there. Um, and, um, you know, so there's a few things, sometimes the course makes it kind of interesting depending on where they're playing. Um, but I'm not one that makes it where, Ooh, there's a golf match on. I've got to be sure I see it. Um, but like I said, if I'm looking for something to watch, a lot of times I'll tune in just to see, you know, again, who's on the leaderboard. Um, you know, who, who's in the scramble for it. Is it somebody I know? Is it close? Um, you know, it's always interesting, obviously, when they go to extra holes, things like that. And um, so, I, you know, there are people that, you know, are avid golf fans that, you know, want to watch every match. But I think, you know, to me, the Live Tour, I'll be interested to try to watch it just to, just to see, you know, what it is and how they present it. So, yeah, you know, I kind of look at it almost like the USFL this year. Uh, where I tuned in week one of the USFL to kind of see, you know, as you already knew which players were going to be on the teams, to see what it looked like, to see how it ran. There were some neat things that they were doing with it as well. But at the end of the day, I haven't watched a whole lot of USFL since week one. If it's on, I'll pop it on for a little bit and kind of see what's going on. But the USFL, for me, I'm more intrigued in the players out of there. If there were guys that I was interested in, seeing how they play, and there's just not a lot of guys in the USFL now that I'm that interested in. Um, so for this live tour, it's kind of going to be the same thing, I think, for me. If I can if I can watch it, I will see what it looks like, see what happens, and everything like that as well. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how it all how it all shakes out in the end. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Uh, let's transition to the NFL. Two big retirement announcements this week with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Frank Gore announcing that their time has come to an end in the NFL. Uh, two long-standing players in the NFL. Let's start with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Dad. Uh, Fitzpatrick played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams uh, in his career. He had 18 game-winning drives and 13 comeback wins. This is from Pro Football Reference. Um, he had, uh, in his career... 30, almost 35,000 yards, just shy, 10 yards shy of 35,000 yards, 223 touchdowns. I am an anti-Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. Um, I think he stole opportunities or hindered growth for some quarterbacks. I don't think he was ever going to be a Super Bowl quarterback, and I think he actually hurt more teams than he helped. I like his personality. I think he's a fine person. I never wanted him on my football team. Uh, what were your thoughts on Ryan Fitzpatrick and his career? Well, I mean, I, I think 
for a guy that you know is not going to go down as a as a superstar quarterback, I think he's a guy that's had a great NFL career. He's obviously helped teams. He's helped teams win games. I can see what you're saying about maybe he has hurt certain situations, but that was the team team's decision to bring him in, and for him to go to as many different teams as he as he was and still be able to be successful. I think he had leadership qualities, obviously. Obviously, players must have liked him. They seemed to rally around him. Um, you know, I think when he came to a team, it wasn't like, oh, my, we're throwing in the towel. I think, you know, he proved that, hey, I can, I, you know, we can win games here. So, um, you know, I, I think he'll go down as, as a guy that, you know, definitely had a good NFL career. And you'll probably – um, remember who Ryan Fitzpatrick was, you know, because he was one of the, I mean, I'd say a backup, but he was a starting quarterback a lot for teams too, but he was definitely the kind of guy that, you know, um, was not going to settle in with one team and, and, and be their quarterback for, you know, his career. Yeah. He's the epitome of a bridge quarterback, a guy that you bring in when you have a young guy uh, that you're, you know, trying to get, get playing opportunities to, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was always good enough to not lose the starting job for the most part, um, but not not bad enough, excuse me, to lose the starting job, but not good enough to hold on to it for years on end. He had great seasons, he had good seasons, and he had some mediocre seasons as well once he finally got the opportunity to play. His, his character, I mean, I think that he was a team player, a leader, was a big part of it. He could be in the locker room and help your locker room, those sorts of things. I just... For me, I'm always I'm of the mindset of if if I've got a young quarterback, I want to get him playing as early as possible. I think it's good to sit behind a guy for a little bit, but again, I don't know that Ryan Fitzpatrick was ever going to be that guy that was going to get you over the hump uh, and, and into the next next area where you want to be. Uh, so so he's gone. Uh, his beard, his beautiful beard's gone as well, and. Um, and now someone else will take take the lead. I was trying to think through backup quarterbacks that have been around a while. Um, there's a couple of them that have been out there, and and uh, most of those guys are retired now. But uh, you've got guys out there that I kind of made a living off of being a backup quarterback or start four to six games a season, uh, you know, and then and then back up and whatnot from there. But um, Fitzpatrick goes down as one of those guys. He's unique. He he has a good nickname, Fitzmagic. He won enough games to be relevant, and, uh, and he had the look and the excitement behind it and kind of reinvented himself later in his last half of his career with his look and his energy and different things like that as well. So, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, congratulations on a great NFL career. I take nothing away from you. I just never wanted him on my team. Uh, the other guy is Frank Gore, one of the more impressive NFL players in all of history. He uh, played at a position that's very hard to stay longevity-wise in the NFL from 2005 to 2020. Starting with San Francisco was their 10 years, three years in Indy, then one year in Buffalo, one year in Miami, one year in New York with the Jets before retiring on a one-day contract with San Francisco. Uh, this guy, Dad, 3,735 attempts, three, uh, sorry, 3,735 attempts, he ends his career with exactly 16,000 yards. Uh, seems strategic the way that worked out. 81 touchdowns uh, in his career. I might respect Zach Gore, Frank Gore, excuse me, as much as I respect any NFL player to have ever played just because of the longevity of his career. 
Um, I mean, he was a great running back. I think I think he'll be a Hall of Famer, wouldn't you think so? And I mean, his career his career was, um, you know, he was a great running back. Again, to me, he's in the tier right below. You know, when you think of the greatest running backs, you got Walter Payton and several like that. But Frank Gore, like you said, with his longevity and his ability, you know, when he was playing, he was a great player. Um, again, you know, since we've been involved in fantasy football, Frank Gore was always a guy, you know, you wanted to pay attention to because he was really good. And of course, in San Francisco, um, you know, he was a main key for the success a lot there. And um, yeah, he was a great running back, seemed to seem to be a great guy. Um, wasn't a guy that caused problems. Um, you know, you get a guy on a lot of different teams and he, you know, not a guy that caused problems there and fit in well and was always was always a positive. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking through his stats, Dad. His best year was his second year in the league, 2006. He had just under 1,700 yards rushing. He had double-digit touchdowns once, 10 touchdowns in 2009. Uh, but he had eight and nine touchdowns a couple times as well. He got over 1,000 yards rushing in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his 15 seasons as well. Um, and he started almost every game that he played in, um, which is amazing. He only started one game as a rookie in 14 games that he played in. And he uh, started every game that he played in with the exception of one, uh, with the exception of two, and 13 other seasons. And then he started half the games in 2019 that he played in. So he played a lot of football. He wasn't just taking up a roster space. He was always uh, being productive. And uh, even in his last season, 2020 at the Jets, uh, 653 yards and two touchdowns in 15 games played. Uh, just an impressive, impressive thing. He caught the ball 484 yards, um, 18 touchdowns as well. Uh, it seems like his receiving is something we don't talk about, but it kind of went down and down and down as the years went on as well. But an impressive career for Frank Gore as well. I agree. I think he's a, uh, a Hall of Fame player. I don't know if he's first ballot. That'll depend, I guess, on who else is on on the list, right, uh, with him. But he's no doubt uh, um, a Hall of Fame player in my book. And uh, and so Frank Gore and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, here doing their part in their careers. Dad, I want to take some time. Again, Graham Wallace will be with us here in just a couple minutes, and we'll talk in Major League Baseball with him. But – uh, I was on a show the other day uh, uh, here, a local radio show, and I was asked about the NFC North because we're in Bengals country down here. And I started talking through the different things. And, of course, Cleveland's an interesting one because we have no idea what the quarterback situation is going to look like at the beginning of the season, um, You know, when, how many games is Sean Watson's going to be suspended and things like that. So um, we'll get into our deep NFL preview here in, in a couple months, but – when you look at the NFC, the AFC North, excuse me, who do you put at the top of the division? Because you've got Cleveland, if Deshaun Watson's there, is really good. You've got Baltimore, who had a down year last year. You've got Cincinnati, who was had a great year last year. And then you got Pittsburgh, who has a lot of question marks because Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, what's going on there? So AFC North, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on that? What should we be looking at? Well, I, I think, you know, the Bengals, I think you have to look at them being on top until someone knocks them off. Um, I think the Bengals could come out really, really ready to go. They've obviously improved with the offensive line, and they may really, you know, they may be at the top and everybody trying to, to catch them or – 
like I said, it can be a real tough division. Cleveland, I think it really depends on when Watson, you know, comes to be the quarterback or if he is this year. Um, Cleveland's got probably a, a good team otherwise, but quarterback is going to be the question. They could be, you know, a real factor. And like you said, I've always liked buying Baltimore's always has potential to be a factor. I think um, the quarterback there will bounce back, have a good year, and can. So, it, and Pittsburgh, like I said, you just don't know. They might be in flux a little bit. I think Trubinsky looked like that was going to be a good situation, but now with the draft, you know, what are they going to do, a quarterback? So um, I, I think you have to look at Cincinnati, and, you know, until people beat them. I looked at their schedule a little bit. To me, they don't have an extremely tough schedule. Uh, they play the NFC South um, there, and uh, they do play the AFC East. So, um, but, um, I, I, you know, as I looked at the schedule, they play, you know, some good teams. They've got Tampa and different ones, but I, I think they have a, a you know, a, a good chance. They got some really tough games at the end of the year. I think that's where they've got Buffalo, um, there and someone else, um, you know, it'd be a division game. So, um, I, you know, to me, the, the, I, I'm, and again, up here, so much excitement about the Bengals because so much disappointment about the Reds. And, um, I, you know, to me, I think it's fair to say, hey, let's, let's see about, you know, the Bengals, um, and just see, you know, Joe Burrow, um, if, if he's got, you know, he's done some things in the offseason, keeping the team together, working with some of the new guys. And um, I think you have to look at them on top until um, somebody knocks them off, at least in the division. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati has to go through the gauntlet of, of Jameson, um, uh, Winston, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and Sam Darnold. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they can handle that. Uh, but uh, should be a fun, fun one. Lamar Jackson. Not a great year last year. He was injured a lot last year, too. I'm down on the Ravens as a whole. I just think that what they've done has kind of been running to the ground, and I'm not sure that they have made enough adjustments to keep defenses on, you know, guessing or anything like that. But Lamar Jackson was injured last year a lot. Uh, Huntley played seven games uh, last year. Is Lamar Jackson going to come back to that MVP form when he comes back this year? He should be healthy. Um, Or... Do you think that maybe there's not enough um, in ingenuity? I don't know uh, for that Baltimore offense to work anymore. Um, again, you know, I think he has a lot of ability. I think Harbaugh is a good coach there, so I I would think you know they will make things work with him. Now, do they have everything they need around him? Um, I don't know that. You know, Baltimore always seems to have a good defense. But I, I would look for Lamar Jackson to get back to form and be one of the top four or five quarterbacks uh, that we look at in the NFL. You know, maybe not. And if he has injury trouble again, then obviously that would be a big problem. All right. Well, Dad, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the one and only Graham Wallace. But first, a quick word from In the Clutch. InTheClutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast, and we are excited to partner with InTheClutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. 
you can find shirts like I still own you from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Podcast. We are privileged to be joined now by writer from the Jays Journal. You can find a little bit of stuff on bellyofsports.com as well. The one and only Graham Wallace. Graham, thanks for being back with us. Uh, great to be with you, Vince and Dale. Uh, it's been a little while. Always always happy to cook it up with you here, here on the Sports Stove. <laughs> it has been a while. Of course, at the beginning of the season, we had no idea when baseball was going to start. And uh, now that it's going, it's going relatively smooth, lots of injuries and stuff like that. But we'll get all to that in a second. Let's start, though, with your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Our hope as anti-Yankees people is that Toronto can play good enough to overtake the Yankees. Uh, Not a bad start for Toronto. Not a great start either, I wouldn't say. But uh, they're currently in second place, and Tampa's been flip-flopping with them a little bit and stuff like that. Is Toronto legit threats this year? I believe they are uh, legit threats, uh, threats, Vince. Um, you know, like you said, it, it, it kind of took them a little while to get going, especially with the bats. Uh, but they have recently won uh, nine out of 10 games and they've had a couple of their key contributors really get hot, including Alejandro Kirk. Uh, if you guys aren't, aren't hip to this guy, he's really been, uh, getting hot. Uh, he's got, he went from one home run to five. He's got another one in this game, this afternoon game that's currently going on against the, uh, Minnesota Twins and another guy, Teoscar Hernandez, who really, uh, he got hurt and it took him a while to really get going with the bats. Uh, if, if you think about uh, some of the, the players who have been consistent, like Santiago Espinal and, and Bichette had a, Bo Bichette had a really good month of May. Uh, some, some of the pitchers that they've uh, been able to uh, mix in, uh, Kevin Gossman, who's been a great free agent signing, and Alec Manoa, who's been an absolute sensation since his uh, debut last May. Uh, I think this is a team that's in good position. Uh, they're, they're 10 games above 500 right now. Uh, the Yankees have just been an uh, absolute juggernaut all season, so it's hard to gain much ground on them. Uh, the other day they won a game, but then uh, Yankees had a doubleheader against the Angels, so they ended up still losing a half game. Uh, so that that's a tough spot. I do expect uh, some kind of a drop off uh, with that Yankees team eventually, 
Um, but they've been tough. If you think about their pitching uh, with Garrett Cole and, and Cortez has been another guy to emerge of late. Uh, the defense has been outstanding, led by uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And, and the bullpen has been great, too. And, and if you think about Judge, he looks like uh, the MVP frontrunner right now. So uh, they've got their work uh, cut out for them, the Blue Jays do, and, and so do the rest of the teams in that division. But I do think the Yankees, it's really hard to maintain a 600-plus winning percentage uh, throughout the entire season. So I, I'm, I'm looking for them to have a bit of a, a rougher stretch that'll uh, open up that race a little bit more. I just picked up a Oscar Hernandez in a fantasy league on waivers. Uh, I was a little surprised to see him sitting there, honestly, but uh, I was happy to get him. I replaced uh, Andrew McCutcheon with him. That's a far better upgrade uh, than, than what I was sitting at uh, there for sure. This East continues to be interesting in the AL. Baltimore out of it. Boston had a rough go. They've had up and down swings throughout the season, but it seems to be New York, Toronto, Tampa. How long can Tampa keep this up? They continue just to every year – just be there. They just won't go away. Yeah, you know, I've I've learned to not doubt uh, Tampa Bay's uh, methods. You know, they made an interesting trade with the Tigers uh, before the start of the season. They, uh, they sent Austin Meadows over there, and a lot of people said it's a great trade for the Tigers. You get a big slugger. But the guy they got coming back, Mejia, has uh, really fit into their team. They just know what they're doing as far as acquiring guys. The next kind of wave of talented players has uh, stepped in, if you think about um, you know, uh, Wander Franco, Forrest Walls, uh, they have another guy, Bruhan, Shane McClanahan. They just always seem to have their cupboard uh, absolutely stocked with these young studs, whether they be pitchers or position players. And then when a guy gets to be um, a commodity, oftentimes they'll trade him. Now, they did invest heavily in Franco, and, and I fully expect him to be uh, in the MVP mix uh, for the next several years. This guy's just got great bat-to-ball skills, uh, and he could do it in the field as well. So um, this team just knows how to get it done uh, with less resources, perhaps, than other teams. But um, I've learned to not doubt them, and I, I wouldn't count on their reign of you know competitive play to end anytime soon. Yeah, you know, Franco, one of the their investments in Franco led them to trading Willie Adamas, which worked out great for my Brewers. Uh, but it seemed like everybody's okay with it. It worked out okay for everybody, uh, for sure, at that point as well. So uh, sticking with the AL, the AL West has been intriguing. The Angels started off well. Me and Dad talked about them at the beginning of the year, saying, man, maybe finally they're going to pull through and be what everybody wants them to be because they got superstars on the team. The pitching started looking really good early in the season as well. But now – They've kind of fallen back down to what we're used to seeing. Houston's jump back up there on top. And and maybe what we saw at the beginning of the year was more Houston playing bad than L.A. playing good. Uh, but the Angels with Trout, Otani, they've got the people you know Major League Baseball wants to see in the postseason. Uh, when are they going to step up and be what they need to be for, for the AL West? Uh, yeah, it's a great question, Vince. Uh, they were looking like the team to beat uh, early on uh, this season. They're just coming off, I believe, an 11-game uh, slide. Uh, they, they lost a couple of games uh, last night. Um, I'm trying to think of who they're by. Oh, the Phillies. Yeah, sorry, I, I lost it for a second there. They, they lost a couple games to the Phillies. It looks like they've been able to bounce back today, but um, I think it's just a really top-heavy lineup. It, it, you know, you mentioned Trout and Otani, um, and, you know, Jared Walsh was an all-star last year as well, but, you know, if you look uh, towards the bottom of that lineup, it's a lot of... Um, Guys with less, more contact abilities, guys like uh, Luis Wengifo, uh, Juan Lagares, um, who, you know, who was a gold glover at one point. Um, but the other thing has been, has been the relief pitching. I w- recently got to see the Angels 
up close. They were in a four-game ser- uh, set against uh, the Blue Jays, and they held a lead in just about every one of those games. But the bullpen ended up getting broken down in all of those matchups, and it's really been the kind of the, the straw that breaks the the camel's back, if you will. Uh, they've got some good starters. If you think uh, they invested in Noah Syndergaard, who's having a nice comeback campaign. They also invested in Lorenzen, who yeah. uh, they got from the Reds, and they've turned him back into a starter. Uh, it's funny. He actually started the second uh, game against the Phillies uh, last night, and he gave up five runs in the first inning. He was able to battle into the sixth and uh, without surrendering another run, but it was just a game that the the offense couldn't get going. Only a couple of runs scored. Uh, Trout and Otani have struggled lately, and that's a time when you need the rest of that lineup to to kind of pick it up, and, and they haven't been able to do so. So it's got to be frustrating for Joe Madden and, and Trout and, and all those fans out there on the West Coast. It, it seems like they're always kind of getting better, but not quite good enough. Uh, so Houston still seems to be the, the kind of the, the team to beat in that division, if you will. Yeah, we got dad will be back with us in just a second here. Um, yeah, Texas is just below 500. Seattle, though, to me, Seattle might be the most disappointing team of the season so far because they almost made the playoffs last year. They're right there battling and they made moves in the offseason to get better. But yet here they sit. They're 23 and 30. Um, they're they're just not good. <laughs> So far this season, what's Seattle going to have to do? Are they going to be able to pull back together this season? Or do you think, boy, it's just done for them already this season? Well, I mean, let's not forget in Washington Nationals, they were 19 and 31 uh, in 2019, and they somehow rallied, had a great finish to that season. They got into the wild card and they, and they won the whole dang thing. Uh, they mm-hmm. won the World Series that year. So I'm not going to write them off just yet, but you said it, Vince. You know, this was a team that won 90 games last year, and they added American League Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray. Jesse Winker, A. Eugenio Suarez, and Adam Frazier, uh, four guys that were all-stars last year, and Ray, who was you know the best pitcher in the American League, uh, arguably. Um, he seems to have reverted back to some of his old ways that we saw sometimes with the Diamondbacks, giving up a lot of home runs, walking too many batters. His control hasn't really been there. He worked really well uh, with uh, Blue Jays pitching coach uh, Pete Walker last year. I'm not going to give Walker all the credit for his success or say that's the whole reason for his decline. He's still a workhorse for them, but he's just been giving up way too much hard contact and that's got to be concerning uh, for those fans out there in the Pacific Northwest I think they could rebound but they got to start winning uh, they got to start winning some ball games and then one more disappointment in the American League is the Chicago White Sox uh, the twins have done their part so far in the central no other team above 500 in the central Cleveland currently in second place White Sox down to third place right now I thought now they've had some injury issues too. But I really thought this team was set up for success, both pitching and offensively. Um, but the injury to Lance Lynn, uh, the injury to Jimenez, I, I don't know if that was enough to, to knock him off or if there's something else that's wrong in Chicago because they just they haven't performed right this, so far this year. Yeah, you know, uh, Jimenez is, is a guy they didn't have available for much of last season, but they still won 90, 94, 95 games, something like that. So I, I don't necessarily think that's it. Lance Lynn was a great starter for them last year. Uh, but you think, you know, Michael Kopech has gotten the job done for a, a lot of the time this season. So I'm not sure it's that. I have my own theory about this. I, I kind of think Tony LaRussa has this uh, this way of being a real motivator when he first joins a team. And he has a tendency to have the team kind of tune him out a little bit after a while. He's a little bit of an old school guy. I, I don't really think it's working with him uh, at the helm. 
Um, he, he, he tends to really berate his players and, and, and kind of, yeah, get in their face and things like that. Uh, look, he's had a great career. He, he's gotten the job done in Oakland, St. Louis, multiple time World Series champion. I just think his time as a manager, uh, might be coming towards an end, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, Joe Girardi gets fired last week. Is is LaRusso the next guy to go? Uh it's possible. You know, if this team finds themselves, you know, 10 games out of it or more, uh, you know, in late June or you know, approaching that All-Star break, uh management may have to pull the trigger on something a bit more extreme. They might want to get someone who's a bit more uh open to some of the analytical uh ways of of the new age of managing, if you will. Now, I, I know Larusa is is open to some of those things, but he does have an old school kind of vibe to him as well. And uh, I've seen it, and I don't even watch a ton of White Sox games, but when, when they're playing the Blue Jays and, and Sunday Night Baseball and other things, uh, you see him getting in guys' faces, and I, I think it rubs some players the wrong way, especially in today's age uh, of baseball. Hi, I'm Maria, and I'm Mike, and we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I'm trying to look it up and I can't find it. Um, they had the guy last year he was playing catcher for him, having an incredible season, and then he did something that was against the unwritten rules of baseball, and he got berated by his coach on and national television, and he was never the same after that. Um, I mean, is that part of what you're talking about, old school, maybe not the best players manager? Yeah, I, I, I've seen it. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I mean, they have Grandel. Uh, I'm not sure if if that's what it is. They they also had another guy who who we kind of yelled at in between innings of a game against the Blue Jays. I can't quite remember what happened, but he 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 didn't do what was instructed of him, and uh, he definitely heard about it. Um, you know, injuries are probably have something to do with it as well. Um, but I'm starting to think that he's having a non-positive effect on his team and yeah. uh you know frustration starting to set in with with the squad that had a lot of high expectations so that could be part of it too but um i think his days could be numbered uh in chi-town yeah yerman mercedes last year's who oh who okay yeah he he got off to that great start he got like hits and six of his first eight at bats or something yeah, yeah good good call there yeah <laughs> he was on my fantasy team that's how i remember these things. yeah but, uh, i hope you had him at the beginning of the season i did uh, he I was did. on fire wow nice <laughs> dad one. any al questions uh for graham um you know, no, like I said, I, you know, I've, I've got a lot of fantasy guys for Toronto, so hopefully they'll keep doing well and, and they'll do well there. I'm kind of wondering, and, um, is there, do, do we have any teams in the AL that we were expecting to be at the bottom that looks like maybe, you know, they're not, they won't be contenders, but they are going to have a better year like Detroit or anyone like that. Is there anyone kind of moving at the bottom, moving in the right direction? I know some have not been that way, Oakland and others, but is there anyone you think we're going to see at least some improvement as the year goes on? 
Yeah, Dale, I actually have a trio of teams in that regard. Uh, you know, the Baltimore Orioles have been a horrendous team over the last few years. They won, uh, I should say they've lost over a hundred games, uh, a couple times in the last three seasons. Um, but we've seen these, these comeback, wild comeback games for them. Uh, they, they picked up Ruth Neto Door. He's had, hit a couple of big home runs for them. Um, I, I just don't think they're as bad as, as what they were last year. They've had some really exciting games. Are they going to be a winning baseball team this year? Probably not. But if they can go from, say, um, I'm trying to think, they, they won about 50 games or so last year. If they could increase that to 70-something wins this season, that would be a huge step forward. Um, they do have some guys from the Houston organization, uh, Astros organization, in their front office. So they do have a growth mindset as far as trying to get better each season. Uh, look, they've got some good players on that team. Uh, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle come to mind, Austin Hayes. And they've got a really good bullpen this year. So um, I, I could see this team not being too far away from uh, being con- con- contenders again. Uh, Cleveland Guardians have a new team uh, name this season, and they've got a couple of players that I, I found to be really exciting uh, in the series that they played against the Blue Jays. Uh, Stephen Kwan uh, and Owen Miller have really brought a real energy to this team uh, that's been required. Um, they don't hit a lot of home runs. Uh, they've got a couple of power bats, Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes, but they, they like to run the bases. They run around. They play defense, and, and this guy Kwan has been really exciting uh, to start the season off. Now, I don't know if they're going to win any more games than they did last Last year, but the product on the field has been a bit of a easier watch, I'd say. And then to round this thing out, I'm going to say Texas Rangers. You know, they invested heavily in their middle infield. If you think about Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, Simeon's had a miserable start to his season, but he's starting to come around. Uh, Martin Perez has come out of seemingly nowhere. Uh, he was a top prospect for them almost a decade ago. He's finally starting to uh, to show his stuff. Um, he, he was the pitcher of the month for May. So I think they're going to actually have the highest increase of wins uh, from last season. So uh, fans in Texas, uh, your team's coming around. <laughs> Let's get to the National League. Um, there, Yeah, that's that's the most positive we can be about the Rangers. Don't worry, fans okay. are coming around. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Beautiful stadium. The team's coming around. There's positive positivity there in Texas. There you go. Um, National League East. Last year, the division was horrible. They ended up winning the World Series with the Braves, but the regular season was really, really bad. And this year, it's kind of the same thing. The Mets currently running away with it. Atlanta is now at 500. Everybody else is under. Philadelphia was supposed to be phenomenal, although they didn't really address their bullpen issues in the offseason. But they addressed their offense a lot and things like that. And they've already fired their manager this year because it wasn't working. So you've got the Mets, and they're injured. And they're still winning games. Their yeah. pitching staff is is depleted at the moment. But then Atlanta, reigning World Series champions, just now at five hundred. I mean, come on, what's going on with the with the NL East? Yeah, that's it. That's a good question. I think the Mets are, you know, they've kind of taken the league by storm. I know they invested a lot, uh, particularly in their outfield. We think about Mark Canna and Starling Marte, and also uh, definitely big time in their rotation uh, with Scherzer. And then Chris Bassett, I thought, was an underrated uh, trade uh, shortly before the start of the season. And I really think Buck Showalter was was a key. Uh, I wasn't sure about him. I was a little skeptical about him coming back from from the TV world. But he's proven to be the perfect skipper uh, for this team. Uh, Francisco Lindor has kind of gotten better uh, with the bat. He didn't. Uh, he had a miserable season last year after signing that huge extension. Um, uh, this is a solid team though. I don't think they're going away. Uh, I know they were in first place for much of the first, th- uh, 
first three months of last season, they kind of fell apart. Uh, but I definitely think this is the best team in this division. Now, the Braves, um, they have a lot of the same guys, minus World Series MVP Jorge Soler, who signed with the Marlins. But they have yet to kind of get it going. But, I mean, this is similar. Uh, I should say Freeman, too. They lost Freeman. But they, they replaced right. him with Matt Olson. So that's pretty much a wash. Um, I, I do still think the Braves are going to kind of pick it up as the, the summer months kind of roll in. Uh, remember, this is a team that was floundering for much of the first three or four months of the season. They made a handful of trades, and they somehow parlayed that into uh, becoming champions come October. So I wouldn't write them off just yet. Um, it has been a disappointing start to their season, or, or first third, I, I guess uh, we're into now. But uh, I, I do kind of think they're going to improve their play, and, and they'll be in line at least for, for a wild card spot, I would think. I've been saying this now for a week or so. Juan Soto is the new Mike Trout. A phenomenal baseball player on a team that just isn't going to perform. In the NFL, they wouldn't let this happen. NBA wouldn't let this happen. They're going to want superstars being seen on good teams. But you're talking about a team sport drastically different than those others. Uh, Closer to football, I guess, with the amount of players on the field and everything. But, I mean, is Juan Soto going to walk away from Washington when he gets the opportunity? Are they going to trade him at some point? Or are they going to make a legit effort to actually be a good baseball team? Well, that's that's a great question. And I think a lot of people have been asking uh, that for the last uh, six months to a year or so. Uh, the Blue Jays were certainly in, involved with some of those rumors. And I was just kind of like, we we don't necessarily need that kind of a contract right now. I know he's still on his rookie deal. But, um, you know, I... It's a tough one. I, I do think that the Nats might need to look at trading him uh, just because he, he's so valuable and the team is seemingly going nowhere. They're one of the worst teams. in. They might have the worst record in baseball right now. I don't really take a detailed look at the standings uh, until around this time of year, uh, but I know they're towards the bottom. Yeah. Um, they do have a young a youngster, uh, Lane Thomas, I believe his name is. He hit the trio of home runs uh, the other day, but uh, one young prospect making a good debut does not a successful team make. Uh, this team still has lots of work to do as far as their uh, rotation is concerned. Josh Bell is another guy who I think they're likely to trade this season, who's a little bit more of a veteran. Um, but I think they will probably have to move on from Soto. I just I don't think it's going to happen this season. It'll probably happen uh, maybe in the offseason or, or perhaps next year. Yeah, they're in third right now in the league. Kansas City and Cincinnati still worse, worse than them. NL Central, Milwaukee, St. Louis, the only relevant teams there. Milwaukee's been hammered with injury issues, uh, especially to their pitching staff here recently. Uh, does Milwaukee win this division or does St. Louis overtake them? I really think the Brewers are the class uh, of the NL Central. Uh, they've just got great pitching. Uh, if, if you think about, um, you, you know, they had the guy who won uh, Corbin. His name escaped me for a second. Corbin yeah. Burns won won the uh, NL Central uh, NL Cy Young Award last year. Uh, Woodruff is really good as well. Lauer uh, is another guy that's kind of emerged over the last year or so uh, as a really solid option in that uh, you know three or four spot, uh, whatever it might be. And the offense has shown uh, has been more prone to. Having some big time performances, if you think about Rowdy Telez, um, Adames, a couple of guys they got in trades last year. So they've done really well in that market. Um, you know, they're still seeing what they can get out of Christian Yelich. Uh, he's flashed a couple times. But the thing with the Brewers is they don't need to have a, 
a red hot or explosive offense, although they do sometimes do that because the pitching's been so good. Uh, they get good managing from Craig Council. They really kind of remind me of a National League version of the Rays mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, they're a small market team. They've got to hit on the trades. They've got to hit on their free agent signings. And, and they've got to make good draft picks and, and, and you know, make good in-game managerial decisions as well. So they've been able to do all of that. Cardinals, I think, are, are the second best team in this division. I think they're going to be a wild card team. They could challenge for the division, sure. Um, but I just don't think they're, they're quite there uh, in the same class uh, as the Brewers yet. Yeah, I'm a little biased with Milwaukee, so I got to ask other people that question. I say the same thing. I think once Milwaukee's healthy, they're just the better team. And ultimately, by the end of the year, Milwaukee will be on top. But I said at the beginning of the season, St. Louis is the only team that can compete with them in the Central right now, and they're definitely doing their part there. All right, to the West, uh, the Dodgers uh, looking a little better than last year, um, staying on top. San Francisco was way up there all last year. They're still towards the top. San Diego playing well without Tatis. They'll get him back this summer at some point as well. Arizona and Colorado actually started pretty solid, and they've kind of fallen back back to earth a little bit. So let's focus on those top three, uh, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. Dodgers, to me, are the best team in Major League Baseball. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. You know, it, their run of dominance has been going on for almost a decade. Um, and, and in some ways, you could almost call them like a new age Atlanta Braves uh, from the mm-hmm. 90s, having all these yeah. great teams and only having one World Series championship to show for it. Uh, there's been some playoff disappointments, uh, certainly. But if you think about from their pitching staff with, with guys like Walker Bueller uh, down throughout that lineup and the bullpen, uh, Dave Roberts is a manager I definitely respect a lot. Uh, they're really there's a lot to like there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got a good farm system as well it seems like whenever they need to call someone up they they kind of just fall right in line uh with that organization so uh you know they won 100 i believe it was 106 games last year and that was that wasn't even good enough to win the division giants had just a magical season uh it seems like the giants have fallen off a little bit but they're still a really good team it's hard to it's hard to keep up with those kind of uh with those kind of win totals so you know uh, giants might be more um, headed for a, a 90-something win season rather than 107 that they won last year. It was just an absolute freight train. Um, but they've got a really good, uh, they got a really good team. Uh, they have uh, Gonzalez, who's coming off the National League Rookie of the, the Month. Uh, Gabe Kapler is a really good young manager. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of similar to the Cardinals. I think they're probably more in, in line for a wild-card spot. Um, they're going to need to get hot in order to catch... Um, uh, catch the Dodgers. Now the Padres have been were really good uh, for about the first three months last year, and they kind of fell apart. Uh, I think Mackenzie Gore has uh, added some some exuberance, uh, youthful uh, uh, quality to that team as a lefty uh, coming out of the uh, rotation. You know they've got Joe Musgrove. They've been without Fernando Tatis for the entire season, uh, so the fact that they've still been able to play some really good baseball. Manny Machado has been an MVP front runner, uh, looking like it. So. Um, they're certainly going to be in the mix. They just need to avoid those prolonged uh, losing streaks that plagued them towards the end of last season that ended up uh, making them not even have a winning record. So um, I'm looking for better things uh, out of San Diego this season. What happened to Cody Bellinger? I mean, it's just like a massive drop-off. 
Yeah, it's funny. You know, I was I I went on his baseball reference page last night. It's funny you you mentioned that. And you know, you look at his his first season. He won uh, National League Rookie of the Year. I think it was 2017. 39 home runs. Next year, he had a similar season, but it was a bit of a drop off. And then 2019, National League MVP, just had an amazing season. And then it's been kind of a he's been tailing off since then. I honestly go back to, I believe it was 2020, and they were playing the Braves in the NLCS, and he did one of those home run celebration things. Uh, I, I, was it Swanson or some other player on the team? And Oh, sorry, that he's on the Braves. It's on, <laughs> with bats or some other player, I'm not sure who he did it with. And I think it actually did damage to some of his muscles in his arms. Mm. I mean, OPS plus of only 44 last season. He's been a little bit better this year, but this was a guy who was you know, looking like a five to eight war player uh, year in year out, like one of the top 10 players in the league. And he just, he hasn't been that. And it's been a pretty staggering fall from grace. And it's, it's hard to really pinpoint it other than I, I really think he might've injured himself in that, in that home run uh, <laughs> celebration. Um, but like I said, he's been a bit better this year and uh, he's still young. So hopefully he can kind of turn it around. Cause he was looking like he was going to maybe be an all time great. Yeah, the beginning yeah, him and Yelich were running the league there for a year or two, and then next thing you know, neither one of them running the league currently. But Yelich is a little better than Bellinger still. But yeah, Dad, what NL questions do you have for Graham? Um, I guess same thing I asked before: is there any is there any teams that you know were expected to be really bad that are gonna you know are, are going to show up at least and be improved. Anybody like the Pirates or anyone like that? Of course, we already said Colorado and Arizona have done better. So, uh, any any special anything special you're looking for there? Yeah, I think uh, the Miami Marlins did a really good job of signing some solid veterans uh, to add to a cast of a lot of young players. I'm talking about Joey Wendell, who looks like he's straight out of the 1920s. If you think about the no gloves, he's just an old school guy. Um, Jacob Stallings and Abisail Garcia. So are, are the Marlins going to win that division or even have a winning record? Probably not. Uh, but they look like a lot more of a competitive team, a tougher team to play against. Uh, you mentioned Pittsburgh. They actually have one of the better uh, bullpens around. David Bednar has been an outstanding closer uh, for them. They were an embarrassment last year. If you think about a team that lost 100 games, uh, you think about that play with uh, with Craig. Uh, I think it was Javi Baez going to first, and he somehow they ended up scoring a run out of it. All he, had, he needed to do was touch first they made a, just some terrible errors Brian Hayes didn't touch first on a home run that was called back they were just an absolute blooper reel the entire season they've been a lot more respectable this year uh, which is good to see uh, you obviously mentioned Arizona they got a couple of stud arms in Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen so they've been around 500 which is a great step forward for them uh, I really thought Colorado was ready to uh, bring Rocktober back this year. Uh, you know, CJ Crone is one of the uh, most underrated hitters out there. Uh, my guy, Ryan McMahon at third base. Uh, but they really haven't gotten much out of Chris Bryant, uh, which has to be a real disappointment uh, to fans in the Mile High uh, City there. So uh, I still think they could uh, have a really good second half, but uh, they've, they've yet to kind of get it cranked up the way I thought they might. Yeah, Chris Bryan got plenty out of Colorado. They're just not getting a whole <laughs> lot out of, out of him. Hopefully they will well soon. Said. I got him on my fantasy team too because I'm a big Chris Bryant guy. Um, and he had a great great year last year, especially after his trade trade into San Francisco, continued to play well as well. Well, Graham, we're running up on time, uh, so we'll let you go. But tell everybody where they can uh, find your stuff, and uh, especially Blue Jays fans. 
Yeah, you bet. So uh, Jay's Journal, uh, you can find my stuff there uh, on Twitter as well, uh, at Bus Wallace. I usually uh, produce, uh, you know, five or six articles a month for them. I've also got um, a standings reveal uh, piece coming out uh, for Belly Up Sports a little bit later on tonight. Uh, I might uh, embed uh, some of this conversation uh, into that as well, if you don't mind. <laughs> and uh, just kind of me looking at the standings, because like I say, I don't usually take a, a detailed look till around the early part of June. Uh, season started a little late this year, so I had a little fun with it last year. I decided to do it again uh, this year. So uh, bellyupsports.com, that'll be out uh, probably later later on tonight or, or tomorrow. Well, he's Graham Wallace, one of the best in the business when it comes to covering baseball especially. Uh, Graham, we always appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us here on the Sports Stove. Thanks for the kind words, Vince. Always good to spend time with, uh, with you and Dale, and uh, wish you all the best. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, see you. Thanks. That's Graham Wallace, and like I said, always always appreciate him taking the time to join us and always a great interview uh, there as well. All right, Dad, anything that we need to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Um, let's see here. No, I, I don't think so. Um, it was interesting this past week. I thought, did you watch any of the match? Um, I thought that ended up real well. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, how competitive that would be or, and it came down, you know, to the last stroke there. And of course, um, you know, Josh Allen had a, could have had a phenomenal putt. So I thought that was very good. I thought that came off very well there. And like I said, for just regular sports fans, I've been paying attention to the, um, uh, NCAA playoffs in baseball, as well as the World Series on the girls' softball, and um, very good games to me. That's a that's a lot of fun thing, a lot of fun time to watch. Maybe we'll cover some college baseball and softball stuff next time you're on with us later this week. Uh, get something, get something to talk. Give some credit to those kids. There's been some interesting plays, home runs, big big time stuff going on. Uh, there as well. And you're right, Aaron Rodgers nailing the big putt uh, to close out the match. I did not watch the match. I just watched the highlights uh, later uh, as well. Uh, all right. We need to tell everybody about two things. First of all, in the clutch, in the clutch.com, where you can find the officially licensed apparel, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, and more. Use the code sports stove when you check out. You get 10% off your first purchase. And then Elementor, I don't think we've mentioned them yet today. A uh, great company to help you create, manage, and or host your website. Uh, very affordable and top-of-the-line uh, options for you there. Drag-and-drop uh, stuff and everything. So if you'll use the exclusive Sports Stove link, it is in the episode notes uh, and description on uh, YouTube and on the audio podcast as well, wherever you get your podcast. So click that link, go to Elementor, and see how they can help you improve or create your website. Thanks to Graham Wallace for jumping on and joining us today. Thank you, Dad, for being back with us as well. We'll be back with a new episode. Uh, we'll record it Tuesday on YouTube. We'll be live on YouTube Tuesday night, and then uh, we'll be available for you Wednesday morning uh, there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into today's Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.